Okay, you guys ready for something? Yeah. You guys ready for something? Always for something. Yes. But, um, yeah, my head is spinning. Because I have so much, I don't know, I went into deep, deep theology this week. <laughs> and I, don't, I, feel, I feel like though you're not ready for all that deepness. Because <laughs> it would take me an hour to unpack. But I'm going to try my best to um, give you some insights of the gospel and your life in it and how um, God has designed us to not be spiritually dying but spiritually alive. That God has structure, structured things. He has, he has, how many guys know God didn't just leave you and just fend for yourself? He actually has a plan for your thriving Amen? Amen. One of the things that grieves me the most is when people go to church and they're, they're um, surviving or barely hanging on. And, and then they say things like, I need a break from church. And yeah, sometimes we get sick and we need a break. There's no break from God. Amen? Amen. There's no break. It, in fact, it's the moment you start to feel that is something is not clicking right. There's something not right, and we need to adjust that so that you can get right on to the right path. You have to be aligned to what God wants so that you can be thriving. I personally believe no matter what season you're going through, your closeness with God should be constant. Even in the silence of God, you should feel His presence. How many of you guys know in psychology and counseling, sometimes uh, people... The best counselors are the ones that sit beside you in silence. It's not, it's not the people who come to you and try to solve everything and keeps talking to you. When you're going through a tough time, I actually prefer friends that come and sit beside me in silence. Comforting. How many of you guys know when the God's not speaking to you, he's not, it's not, he's not away. He's actually beside you, holding your hand, comforting you. Amen? Amen? So you need to understand that he's never far. He's quite close. It's just us that have strayed, strayed away and running away, and the Lord's chasing us. So having said all that, let's turn to um, Joshua. Joshua 3. I preached on this last week, but I wanted to just follow up and do a... Not a part two, but just wanted to pick up on something here. And also Deuteronomy 30. I won't go through the verse, but it's a very famous verse, so you should know it. At the end of the day, the officer went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Everybody say, follow it. Follow. The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length, which is about a half a mile. So they're saying, don't go too close. You're not holy yet. You're, you're going you're gonna to get zapped because the holiness of God prior to Jesus was so, so potent that even any, any, any little unholiness cannot be mixed together like oil and water cannot be mixed with the holiness of God. 
until Christ came, and now we enter through the blood. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Everybody say, not passed this way before. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders. 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 So there's three things that I want you to notice. It says follow the ark. Stay a little bit far, but always keep an eye on the ark. What is the ark? It's the presence of God. It's the angels covering the lid, the, the mercy seat. And they would, the priests would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat, and symbolically it would be opened, and in the ark there will be the manna, which is the provision. There's the precepts, which is the law, the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments is in there, and the rod of Aaron that budded apart from the vine, a supernatural power. So there's supernatural power. There's the law, the authority of God, the kingdom of God, and the manna provision. Power, precepts, and provision, it's all in there that symbolize the presence. And the angels were covering it, protecting that lid. When Adam and Eve got castigated, and that's actually the right word, they were expelled from the Garden of Eden. That place, the Garden of Eden, is like a sanctuary. It's the, where the presence of God dwelt, and the angels guarded it, cherubims with swords. Now that Garden of Eden is symbolized in this ark because the angels are protecting the entrance to it. You guys understand? Okay. All right. I have a lot to say today, so if you want to extract things from me that are more deeper, and I need you to participate. This is not a class. This is more participatory. That's preaching. This is not teaching. Amen? How many guys know um, if you're running on a treadmill, you stop, you fall? You guys run a treadmill, right? <laughs> Some people are like, what is a treadmill? I do not run it. I run outside in nature. Okay, but I'm just, it's a treadmill. I've been running on a treadmill lately, working on my cardio. As I get older, I got to work on your heart, not just your muscles. Amen. So I've been working, I'm smartened up after 50 years. I realized, okay, I got to work. The heart is a muscle. Oh, yeah, heart is a muscle. I got to work on my cardio. I hate, I hate cardio. You guys like cardio? I hate it with a passion. Unless it's in Hawaii, running on the beach. Now, then I love cardio. Swimming in the ocean with the turtles, that's cardio I love. On a treadmill in my building, seeing nothing. It's not the same, Marcus. That's not the same. If you stop, you fall. If you stop, you go backwards. If you're going on an escalator and you're going in the wrong direction, opposite direction, like your escalator is coming down, you're trying to go up. If you stop, the escalator will start taking you down. Make sense? That's the kingdom of God. 
In the kingdom of God, the moment you stop following is the moment you start going backwards. You're not standing still, actually, because the ark keeps going. The ark will not stand still for you because the ark needs to go somewhere. The ark is not meant to be a place where it's stagnant. The, the Garden of Eden, original ark, the Garden of Eden, was supposed to be, was supposed to be spread throughout the earth. God's vision for the earth was that the garden and the man and woman symbolizing humanity would encompass that garden throughout the whole earth. That's why we have in Revelation 21, the whole earth should be the temple, the holy place. Do you guys understand? So the moment you actually stop, you say, uh, I need a break, is the moment you start going backwards. I just wanted to, I'm giving you some keys here. This is what I've learned in over 30 years plus of following Jesus. I realized this. The moment I just I, I, I embraced that humanistic philosophy of where it's like me. I need to take care of myself. I need, I need to do some me time. I'm not saying those are things that are all bad. I'm saying the enemy has tainted that, tainted that truth of taking care of yourself and heightened it and placed it above God's truth. And when you do that, you're actually missing out. It's, it's antithetical to the kingdom. The kingdom is not about yourself. It's about God. And the more you follow God, the more you become well. You guys following what I'm saying? So there's times when you feel tired and burnt out or weak. Those are the times I go harder. Because it's not about because I'm doing. I'm follow, it's not because I'm following more. It's because I'm starting to slow down that I'm starting to lose my connection and I'm starting to not see the presence of God. I'm starting to doubt the power of God. I'm starting to doubt the word of God. I'm starting to doubt his provision. You guys following what I'm trying to say? So the key is not to stop. It's to keep going. It's, nev it's never... It's never because, and it's the opposite escalator because the world is always going in the opposite direction. The world is going this way. You're going this way. That's why it seems hard sometimes. But the moment you stop, the world will take you down. You guys following what I'm saying? So in fact, when you're riding, it's like riding a bike. The moment you stop pedaling, you fall. Have you ever ridden a jet ski? No? Oh, you guys have to live life. Boo, Steve, you so... The jet ski, my, wife, my daughter's like, money, money, dad, money. So I, I, I rode my jet ski when I was 16 uh, in Jamaica. No, Bahamas, my friend. <laughs> Jamaica was my honeymoon with my wife. Bahamas with, was my honeymoon with my friend. No, I'm just a vacation with my friend and his family. And then his family was like, let's ride jet skis. So I rode a jet ski. It's not the jet ski like this. It's like the stand-up ones, which is a lot harder, but I want it to be cool, right? Because the jet, this is too easy, so I want to do this one harder because I'm a cocky 16-year-old. And my friend's like, you sure you don't want to do this one? It's much easier. I'm like, no, you take that one. I'll do this one. <laughs> because I saw it. It seemed so cool, and I was doing it. And then my instinct when I was going faster was to slow down. 
Even though the guy from Bahamas is like, yo, man, yo, man, when you turn, you got to speed up, man. And I'm like, I couldn't understand your accent, Ari, whatever, man. And, I just did it. and as I turned, I slowed down. Instinctually, I slowed down. And I, when I slowed down, the jet ski just went in the water. And I was so far, because I just went, and then I couldn't see the shore. And I was like trying to, Turn on the jet ski, but it got flooded with water. It just stopped. And I was just out there, like, floating away. I'm like, come on! Come on, help! And the guys came with the boat, and then they were like, I told you, man, you got to speed up when you turn! And I looked at him, and I'm like, I, I don't understand what you're saying, but just rescue me. So the guy got in the water. He had to flip the jet ski in the air, and I don't know how he did it. And he went, he just, like, drained it and went, and he started it and he went back. And... And then he, got, he yelled at me and said, this better not be broken, man. You're going to pay for this. I'm like, oh. what am I trying to say? When you're, when, you're going, when you're going in the kingdom and there's the, the moment you slow down, you sink. The moment you slow down, you sink. So we got to constantly... Follow the ark. It is our mandate. It is our, it is our, it is for our wellness. It's for our benefit. Also, it is the call of God on our lives to spread the kingdom of God throughout the earth. That is our mandate till we die. We may not see it in fullness, but that is the calling that we can never get rid of. It is the Father's business. And this, this like marks you as a son or a servant or a slave. Because the son or daughter is at the father's business no matter what. Like my son, he's like, this is my father's church. It's my church. And I hope Jess walks around like that when they get married. <laughs> She's like, this is my father's church. So it's my church. Do you understand? The moment you understand that, the moment there's no options. An advancement of the kingdom is reserved for people with no options. Your calling is clarified or crystallized for people with no options, and people with no options is not, a, it's not forced upon them. It's just who they are. It's their identity because they're sons and daughters of God. Do you understand? I remember I used to, when I was a kid in Toronto... You guys watch Kim's Convenience? Yes? Yeah, I used to work at a store called, not Kim's Convenience, but on Queen Street, a store just like that. So when I watched Kim's Convenience, actually the guy who created it, <laughs> I knew his sister. So we all kind of like knew each other. I couldn't believe he created that show. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that store is exactly like this, my best friend's store. And we're only children, so we slept over each other's houses every weekend. But I hated going to his house. Why? Because he had a convenience store. And his parents would what? Make us do the bottles. You guys know what the bottles are? You have to go to the basement. You like to look at the fridge. What's missing? You have to bring the bottles up, put them, the milk, clean the shelves, do the cash until 11 o'clock at night. Then we can party. I'm like, it's 11. What are we going to do right now? He's like, we can watch a movie. I'm like, it's 11. I've been working for you for free for three hours. Why do you always make me come here? Why can't you come to my house? Because my dad said I can't. I can't. When you come to my house, we eat like 
Korean stew, watch Toronto Maple Leaves, and we have no work. But when I come here, all I do is work, work. I have to sweep the ground, lock up. This is stupid. Why am I doing this? I'm complaining all the time. But my friend never complained. You know why? Because he had no choice. It's his dad's door. But I kept complaining because this is not my house. Why am I? You're not even paying me. Do you understand? There is, his mother actually tapped me in the butt a couple of times and go, good boy, good job. I'm like, that is my reward? I remember I brought my, I brought my new, newly married wife and we visited the store to just say hello. And then she tapped me on the butt as a 24-year-old. And then my wife was like, she still thinks I'm like a little kid. We knew each other since we were 12. Do you understand? It's just, it's my father's business. It's, for, it's not just for your benefit. It's for the father's business. That's why we follow the ark, because the ark is our guidance. It's our GPS. It's our Holy Spirit GPS. What is the father doing? Where is he going? That is the question we should be asking all the time. The further away, the further you are going to be emaciated in your spiritual life. It's nothing to do with the love of God. The love of God is constant. He loves you. But listen, there's principles that we need to follow. The further you, further you are away, the moment you stop, you start going backwards, it starts to lose distance because the kingdom is forcefully advancing, the Bible says. It keeps going. But if you're, if you're standing still, you're not standing still. You're going backwards. The distance between the presence of God and you gets larger. And what happens... When, you, when that distance gets larger, you forget to see, you, you fail to see your purpose and your will, what God wants to do, his voice becomes less clear. You, you understand what I'm trying to say. That's why Jesus was constantly looking to the Father and seeing what the Father did. And he said, my food is to do his will. Not doing his will, not following, is like a person not eating. In the spiritual realm. You reading your Bible is not eating. You coming here and listening to me preach is not you eating. It's anti-biblical. People are like, I'm not fed at that church. Or New, I mean, Rain City, I'm like, you know, the sermons, sometimes he says the same thing. I'm not, I don't feel I'm fed. It's nothing to do with that. Do you, do you understand? You're not being fed. I'm just giving you seed for you to go and plant and make it grow. That's the Word of God. The Word is a seed for you to take and actually do something with it. You don't eat seed. You plant the seed. The Word is revelation for you to actually do something. If you don't do anything with it, you don't, you're not following the Word. You're not following the presence of God. You're not following the power of God. You're not following. You understand what I'm saying. You're not following. You're spiritually emaciated. Feeble knees, the Bible says. Weak. How many guys want to be weak? Nobody. That's a trick question. <laughs> How many guys want to be strong in the faith? If you escape his call, if you fail to follow as the Lord prescribed, if you failed. That's why Deuteronomy 30, Moses said, choose life or death. 
is very stark. It's, he wasn't hyperbolizing. He wasn't exaggerating. It says literally following the ark was your life. To not follow is decay. And to not follow and to know that you're supposed to follow. So, I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize for what I'm about to say. You know why? Because you came to this church this Sunday, and now you're going to hear it, so you can't escape it. Now you're accountable. Is this... (laughs) The only way for you to be not accountable is for you to fall asleep during my sermons, and which this is really hard to do. That's why Jonah, when he was escaping his call, he wanted to run away and not do the will of God in his life, and he, won't, he just wanted to like, take care of himself. He's just like, I don't want to do that. I don't even agree with you. I don't really know what's going on. The whale swallowed him up into the belly of the whale, and he was in sleep. In the Old Testament, that word sleep is, is equivalent to dying. I don't want you to be decaying, guys. I don't want to create a church where I create a platform or a structure where it's okay to decay and be spiritually unawake and sleeping, and that's okay. I don't want that to be okay. Amen, Steve. We don't want that either. So we got to follow for our own benefit. Also, it's the call of God. But who are we following? I just wanted to let you know. Can you see the picture here? Because he said, Joshua said, follow the ark. The ark. Not that one. Yeah, that one. That's the ark. So you see the two angels. Now, I've shown this before, but I have to show these things like a hundred times until you get it. <laughs> you guys know this? This is an old like seminary principle. I was taught this. You can't just preach it once. You got to preach it a hundred times. I'm like, the same thing? Not every week. You got to keep doing it because <laughs> people are like layers. Eventually, they'll hit them. One day, they'll be like, oh. Oh my gosh, that's the greatest revelation. I just preached it a hundred (laughs) times. I preach it 99 times and a guest speaker comes and says the exact same thing. You're like, oh my gosh, that's the beautiful. I'm like, okay, this is what Bible means when Apollo, Paul plants and Apollo waters. I'm like, I'm Paul. I'm like, Dave Harvey comes and talking about the same thing, heaven and earth. And you guys are like, this is the greatest message ever. (laughs) This greatest message, but I've been preaching it for three years, guys. And I understand. We're a team. We're, t- we're collaborating. I don't, I don't need credit. I don't need credit. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. A little bit of acknowledgement would be good. I'm just saying. But I'm just saying. I've been preaching the same thing over and over again. I need you to understand this principle. I need you to understand because it is the gospel of Jesus. See that angels? Those are angels protecting the entrance into the tablets of stone, which is the law. The will of God. It's, it's the kingdom is established by rules and order. That's what God is doing. He's establishing God's nation, his people. The rod is Aaron's rod where it budded without being attached to the vine. It's supernatural power. You guys understand? Power, precepts, is law. And then the little jar, that's the manna in the desert. The Lord provided supernaturally. It's provision, his precepts, and his power. In the ark. 
and the mercy seat that stood the lid entrance into that into access to those three things was through sacrifice of the blood. So the priest would go in and sprinkle the blood of sacrifice, and then the door would be open. Do you understand? It's all symbolic. It's all symbolic. Now let's go to the next picture. No, not that one. This, John 20, 12. You guys want to turn to John 20, 12? It says this, when Mary came to the tomb, verse 11, but Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping, and so as she wept, she stood and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels while sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus has been lying. So that's the tomb of Jesus, and that's where all, presumably, all the blood of Jesus is on that, on that slab of stone. You guys following? It's right after the crucifixion. It's all the blood is there, and then the angels there, the cherubims are there. Do you understand? Now go to the next picture. That's the ark. That's the lid now is the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice, once and for all. And there's the ark covered by, protected by the angels, and now are worshiping Jesus. And now we have access to his power, his presence, his provision, the embodiment of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So when they're following the ark, they're actually following the foreshadowing of Jesus. And where is Jesus going? Where is the ark going? Into the promised land where it's surrounded by giants. They get saved from in slavery of Egypt. They're bound by, bound by the enemy and they're bound. They can't be free and the Moses comes and frees them, and they get baptized in the Red Sea. They wander in the desert because they don't know who they are. And the patience of the Lord is patient with them, but is enough is enough. we got to go to the promised land because that's where we're supposed to go. Where is the ark going? The ark is going into the darkest places. The ark is going where the giants are. The, the Lord is picking a fight. You guys, you guys watch Braveheart? You guys, do you guys know what Braveheart is? Yes. Please do homework and watch the movie. One of the greatest movies ever made. Amen? Yeah. I showed Isabel in Seattle, and she's like, so violent. Oh, oh. Is he going to die? She's always trying to ruin the movie. Dad, is he going to die? No, I, I don't know. Oh, it means he's going to die. <laughs> I can't lie. Oh, I just gave out the way the movie. But it's history, William Wallace. There's a, there's a scene where the British, the, the king of England comes to destroy these rebels from Scotland. And William Wallace and all these lords from Scotland, they're afraid. They don't want to fight. They want to compromise. They want to negotiate. How many of you guys know you can't negotiate with the enemy? And then, and then William Wallace comes in with this blue paint. He says, and he's talking about, you know, fighting. And you're never free until... You know, we want our freedom and all that. you got to watch the movie. He does it in a beautiful Scottish accent. 
One of my wife's favorite actors, by the way. She gets mesmerized every time she comes on, he comes on the screen. William. William Wallace. Honey, I am William Wallace. She's like, no, you're not, you're not William Wallace. And then, he's, and then he, they come to negotiate, and William Wallace comes, and then he starts making trouble, and he says, I'm here to pick a fight. I just want to let you know that the Lord is advancing forcefully, and he's here to pick a fight. And if you're not ready to fight, take up your sword and go with him and to go into the darkest places, you're not spiritually alive. There's something that is causing, that's causing us to be the people that originally we were called to be. The first Adam and Eve, who is Jesus and the second Adam, but we are the progenitors. We are the, we are the ancestors of Christ. We are called now as a church to advance Edom, the presence of God, the power of God, the provisions of God, to let the world know who God is through the darkest places if you think Vancouver is a dark place, it's going in the opposite direction of the kingdom, which I believe it is, then you need to get in there. Because that land belongs to you. I felt the presence of God the most in the darkest places. Because I could feel him backing me up. Although I feel him here, and I feel the lovely, like the, presence of God and I know he's with me in the hot tub and all that but then it's never ever the greatest it's never quite the same when I'm in the darkest hotel of North Korea and I pray and the presence of God just comes upon me he said do not be afraid I'm with you do you understand what that feels like you feel like you can take on the whole nation because it's not hyperbole I'm not it's not you know, when you're a boxer and there's a hype man, you're like, you're the best, you're the best. There's nobody can defeat you. It's not hype. Do you understand? You know what a hype man is? You know, like a UFC fighter. Somebody comes next to you and it's like, Justin, you're the best drummer. You're the best drummer. There's nobody like you. You're the best. You can, there's gonna, nobody going to be, beat you. That's like, yeah, we're, we're no, that's hyperbolizing. Amen? I'm not, it's not hype. It's just, the presence of God is so present. There's no fear. Perfect love dries out fear. That is our call. That's why when Jesus resurrected, he didn't ascend right away. He stuck around. And then people came and looked at him, and then two of the women actually thought he was a gardener. And see, hey, he's not a gardener because the Lord wanted us to remind to remind us, okay, before I ascend, I just want to remind you, the original call for you is to take care of the Eden, the Garden of Eden, and you want to spread it and keep it. Expand it. Don't forget. Where? Spread the boundaries of the Garden of Eden throughout the ends of the earth. The moment you forget that priestly role, the moment you start to wander. You guys remember Cain and Abel? Everybody knows this story, right? Abel offered the best choice of sheep. Cain just got some fruit and gave it to God. And the Lord said, what are you doing? 
This is not good. And then Cain got jealous and then said, why do I have to do this and kill Abel? You know the story. But the Bible says this. Because Cain couldn't repent, he wandered. The land did not produce for him, so he had to wander and beg. And how many guys know that your unredeemed life is destined for you to wander in the land and beg the system for the land to produce fruit? This whole system we got in Vancouver where little, sh- little drug houses are worth a million dollars, that's not godly. That's the land not producing for you because of the greed and sin of humanity. We are called to redeem that whole situation. Your call is so much greater than you think. It's to restore the land. It's to beautify. It's, it's, when God talks about shalom, it's between you and God, you and each other, and you and the land. The land, because the curse of humanity was that woman would have pain in child labor. Man would toil in the land, work hard without God. That's what happens to you when you work without God. You toil. It's burdensome. And the land produces thorns and thistles. It doesn't produce. It produces other things, and you have to do more work. And you have to rely upon the Lord and you guys understanding what I'm saying? And Jesus, when he died, he had thorns and thistles. Thorn of crowns on his head. Why the thorns? Because through his blood, the land is redeemed. Come on, somebody. That's good. The land, the curse of the land is redeemed for those who will go into the land, redeem the land, redeem the people, redeem the city. If we're exists for the next 20 years. I don't know how long we're going to live. And people, if let's say 20, can I, can I just say something? This might offend some people too. Who cares? Whatever. Let's say we're 52, so we have this church for 30 years, and my son is, how old are you going to be, son? 30? 30 years? 55. He's going to be 55. I'm going to have some grandchildren running around, hopefully. The Bible does say, be fruitful and multiply, son. Be fruitful and multiply. And so, 30 years from now, and then we're old, and we're like, ah, oh, you know what, let's just close it down. My sack's like, I'm going to move away. You know what, let's just close it down. Or something happens to the church or whatever. And You guys understand? And if nobody cares that we close down, we did not do our job. If the city does not know that we are here, we are not doing our job. Now, we've only been around for three years, so we got some time. But that's why I said, within the next few years, if the city does not know that we are here, if just our neighborhood does not know that we're here, if the people in your building do not know that you're there, it's just something that convicts me all the time. There's something not right. Do you understand? Everywhere you go, you bring the presence of God. You, ca- you are carriers of the presence. No, people have to follow. Now you are the priest. Only the priest could carry the ark. Now we are the royal priest. We carry the ark everywhere. You guys understand. It's my job. 
It's your father's business. I've been really convicted by that because I'm like a secret introvert. You guys know? No, Steve, you're not an introvert. I am. I am. Because I'm like, hey, guys, how are you? Wow, wow, good, good. I'm not faking it. I really want to know you. But (laughs) after after a couple hours, I go home and I pass out because it just sapped everything out of me. Extrovert, you get more energy. You want to do more. And I'm just, I just need to be alone. So when I go to the hot tub in the morning, Tuesday morning, because Monday I work, Tuesday morning, as I just look forward to my alone time. Don't nobody come. Nobody come to the hot tub, please. And then people come. And I have to decide whether I'm going to be all about myself or I'm going to be the presence of God in their life. I just have to decide. If it's, if it's not, if it's me, myself, and I, I'm going to be like, I need some alone time, me time. But if it's about the kingdom, I know it's my father's business. It's like owning a restaurant. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like it. The restaurant's open. People come in, you got to serve them. Look, father, I don't want to serve. But you're the, you're the server. No, I, I don't know. I'm your son, so I don't then you don't understand what it means to be a son in the father's business. That's why Jesus went to the temple and said, what, what are you worried about? I'm not my father's business. Do you guys understand? Yeah. It's, it's for you, your benefit. And it's, it's, that's what it means to follow Jesus because Jesus is going to the dark places and you got to put that identity on as children of God in the father's business. Amen? Amen. I, just, I just am excited for you to feel the presence of God in your workplaces. God wants to redeem your workplace. Amen. The land, the park. You carry. You, the presence of God is so much more powerful than the darkness and the toxic environment of your workplace. Do you understand? You just don't know. You're not following. You're, you're looking at what's toxic. You're not following the presence of God. What is the presence of God What will it do in this workplace? Do you understand? What would the presence of God do in Vancouver? You just don't know. It just takes a few. If there are other churches in Vancouver that I know of that are actually making the mark, and I'm sure there's many, but I didn't, we, we, we went to many, and I'm just like, where, where's the mark? Where's the people? Where, where's the life? I saw people not, with no life, and I said, no, no, we got to create an environment where people come. They're radically transformed. They get seed. They plant it in the land. They see the kingdom grow and advance the kingdom. That's your life. That's life. That's where the presence of God just... It's your land. I understand why you act like squatters and renters. I want to own land. The whole thing belongs to you. Do you understand? Maybe God's not giving us a building because we don't understand that concept. You're not landed. You're not settled. You're always wondering, like, there's better lands. I don't know. You're always wandering, wandering. I'm, I'm, it's okay for you to move and all that, but eventually you're going to have to get settled. And this is, a, this is my land. I'm going to have to bring the presence of God and redeem this land. God will not give you ownership of things if you don't settle in it. 
That's why my first church plant, there was a few people. We didn't have any money. The first thing I did was buy a condo, buy a townhouse with no money. <laughs> How did you do that? Why? Well, I asked my dad for 30 grand. <laughs> Down payment on this leaky roof townhouse in Vancouver. Three stories. We should have kept that, honey. We should have. <laughs> Bought it for 242 What? That's when the land produced for us. But you know what? It was almost a hundred grand below asking price, because I just told the guy I could only afford two forty-two with thirty thousand down. He said he laughed. He said, "No, no," hung up on me. And I said, "Whatever. There's something else." But I felt like that's, that con- that townhouse belongs to me, not because I wanted a townhouse and make money off of it. I wanted that townhouse because I wanted to show our small little church, less than these people, less than you guys. Because they're always wondering, like, is he going to leave? Is he going to be another youth pastor that's going to go to greener pastures? And I said, no, I'm staying. I bought a townhouse. They're like, you bought a what? You bought a townhouse? Yeah, I'm staying. You're going to flip it? We don't have, I don't know what flipping means. <laughs> I just bought a townhouse to live. What are you talking about? And then the guy called back and said, why do you want this townhouse? Because of these reasons cannot afford it, but it's my God's call in my life to own this townhouse. Advances kingdom. He's like, okay. He sold it to me for 242. I'm like, sucker! No, I'm just kidding. 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 It's Sonia's friend. So I was like, he was shocked, but I just low, it's not lowballing. It's just all I can do, man. This is my max. Do you understand? And I put my kids in French immersion. Not because I wanted them to speak French. No, I wanted them, I wanted the church to know we're settled here. We're in Canada. I'm not going back to California. We're settled here. Put my son in French immersion to learn French. Oh, you're really invested. I'm invested into you guys, the 15 of you right here. We're, we're staying for the long haul. But I can't stay if you are not just as invested. And if we settle this matter, I feel the Lord will advance the kingdom through us. And he did. Dramatically. It takes ownership. Landing. Understand? It's not about ownership to this church. It's about ownership of your call of God. And that's when the power of God comes upon you. Do you understand? I'll end with this last story. When I was uh, in Africa, I was just going a couple times. <laughs> and then my mentor said, why don't you go to Uganda? And I was like, I didn't even know Uganda existed. I'm so ignorant. It's like right beside Kenya when you go. You know, we go to Kenya, where, you know, Mombasa, the oceans are, Indian Ocean. When you go to Uganda, is there any oceans in Uganda? No, it's in the smack middle of Africa. I'm like, okay. So I went. And then the guy I was with said, you know what, there's another conference I got to go. There's a lot of people there. But I promised these other pastors, I need you to go there. And I, I promised them I would do a conference, but it's conflicting with time. So I want you to go and take a few people and go. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just here to observe. He said, do a three-day conference with those guys. We'll separate. You take a couple people and just... I'm like, what is this crazy? So I went, and I'm like, because the conference is up to then with hundreds of people. 
hundreds of pastors. You know what I'm saying? So I was a little nervous, like hundreds of pastors. I'm this young guy. I went, five people. Five pastors with a smack, smidgen of like people who were there for food. Calvin, Calvin's like, oh yeah, I know. <laughs> so we go there, and then I was, I was like, these are like, I don't know who these people are, but it's kind of like, what is, what is going on? Why five pastors? What's happening? And the Lord said, this is your land. You're not African, but this is your land. If you settle in the land, I will give you the land. And then I stepped up. I didn't have any notes. I had notes, but I just forget about the notes. And I stood there, and I said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I just said, said a prayer up, up, like underneath my, uh, underneath my breath. And I said, the Spirit of the Lord upon me, and he's anointed me to preach the good news to these five people. I preached for two days, I think 21 hours. They couldn't get enough. They were like... My God, they were high-fiving each other. They were, like, standing up, going, like, shaking hands. You can just imagine five people just doing this. And, like, they're, like, high, they're literally high-fiving each other. And then, like, woo, doing the African thing. I'm, like, what is going on? And then I, they said, come back, come back, come back, come back. So I came back next year, 250 pastors in the nation, from 5 to 250. These are all leaders of the whole nation. And the next year I came back, 500 the Ugandan Broadcasting Corporation, UBC, not UBC, <laughs> UBC, asked me to come and be interviewed on TV. I thought it was some, like a little TV show. And I went on, I got interviewed for 15 minutes, I came out, and I said, how do you, I just jokingly said to my uh, driver, how many, how many people do you think watch that show? 14 million, brother. <laughs> not today? Yes, brother, in Sudan, in Kenya, in Uganda. Everybody knows you now. <laughs> and then the next year, they asked me to come back, another 20-minute segment. And then I started meeting the politicians and the leaders, king of Uganda, coming to my meetings. Do you guys understand what I'm trying to say? How did all that happen? Because I'm so good-looking. Because, <laughs> because I preach good. I preach good. Is that what it is? My preaching is not that good. It's not good, it's not that, it's, I'm just telling you, it's because I understand my identity. The Lord has anointed me. I am here. I have landed. And I said, this is my land. And I've been there for 13 years. Every year I go to show them I'm committed to you guys. That's why the land keeps giving fruit back. That's why there's no thorns and thistles when I go to Uganda for me. Every time I go, something new happens. Last time, last year, I went with Becca, and Becca's like, I wonder what's going to happen. I said, I don't know what's going to happen. We have a schedule, but you never know. Becca's like, what is, what's going to happen? The first day, first day we have the meeting, uh, plans canceled. One of the MPs from the government said, no lunch today. I'm going to take you to speak and pray for the Speaker of the House. There's a president. Vice President, Speaker of the House. And I was on Twitter, seen by, they took a picture of me, pastor from Canada comes, prays for the Speaker. You guys understand? 
We're like, Becca's like, this is so crazy. This is so crazy. Be quiet. Just calm. <laughs> Act like you've done this many times before. <laughs> I'm just exaggerating a little. She's calm. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Jacob was like a little bit crazy after. That's so mind-blowing. Wow. <laughs> That's so crazy. You know why? I always expect it. You know why? Not because so great. You know what it is? It's because I'm his son. And I said, this is my land. And I follow the ark. Do what it tells me to do. Things start to grow. And I'm telling you this because I feel like this is a message for us for the next season, coming next year. We want to advance, but I need you guys to settle. Settle down in the land a little bit. <laughs> no more wandering. What's next for me? What's next for me? Just God, when the time for you to move, you will move. But settle. You want to see the goodness of God? You will never see it just wandering all over the place. Don't be a Cain. Be an Abel. His offering was priestly. Sacrifice the first lamb. He acted like a priest. Cain acted like just some like slave. That's why he got castigated. Amen? Let's stand. Is that enough theology for you? That was like a whole lot. I, t- I, feel like I, I feel like I took you to seminary or something. There was more, but I think it's not, you're not ready for it. But one day, next year. Amen? Can, I, can you guys do something for me? Like when you're standing, you know, sometimes you just kind of, kind of, have that stance. You know, if you're playing sports, you're like, I'm, like no one's gonna knock me down. That kind of stance. You guys ever play sports? Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> anybody play sports here? Where you're like in volleyball? If you're volleyball, you're like, I'm ready. That kind of stance. I'm ready. I'm ready to go forward. If you're playing volleyball and then you're leaning back, you're done for. You're toast. Right, Cam? You're right. You got to be on your toes, like ready. 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 Right, right, Ty? Right, Ty? What is, what's my form? Ready. <laughs> on your toes. When you're fighting, on your toes. When you're going backwards, you die. When you're playing football, on your, on your heels, you get knocked down. Settled in the land, ready for a fight. You guys ready for a fight? Can we all do that a little bit? Like, you don't have to do this. But just like tighten your thighs and just kind of like strengthen your legs. That's what the Bible talks about. Strengthen your legs and be in a ready position to advance. Amen? So go like this. Not like volleyball, like this. And be ready. As a symbol of just like, I'm ready, Lord. Give me the land. And I'm going to ask you guys, if you're ready, ask the Lord. Give you the land. The land will produce fruit for you. I didn't tell you the rest of that story. Sold the, I bought the house for $242. i am only telling you this, not to boast, just to give you the good, how, God, good, how good God is. I bought the house for $242. One year later, I felt like my, mom, my, my wife and I, we decided to move because... We had some crazy neighbors. <laughs> we're not real estate agents. We don't know. We don't, we're, not, we're not checking the market. And then we sold at a high, high season, and we sold it for 350 Made 100 grand in one year. 
And then we, we bought a townhouse for $375 in Burnaby, a new build. And then a year later, uh, four years later, we sold it for another hundred grand, so we made two hundred. With that two hundred, we put an investment into an eight hundred dollar, eight hundred thousand dollar house in Surrey. Four thousand square foot, six bedrooms, brand new. My wife's dream home. And then when people come to my house from the church, they would be like, huh. Everybody check the, check the church financials. <laughs> how, how is he affording this? It's not me, man. It's not me. It's the Lord. The Lord produced it for me. You guys understand? It's just, some people will say, that's just dumb luck. No, it's called, the Lord is smart. I might not be smart, but I follow the Lord. And the, Lord, the land produces because I decided to settle in the land. You guys having issues with like buying land in the future and oh I'm a Vancouverite, I'll never buy a house and you guys have those worries? L lift up your hands if you're worried. Jesse's worried, just I'm never gonna buy a house here. <laughs> I have to work three, four, five jobs now. I wanted to let you know that's what they said about me when I first came here. You'll never own a house here. As a pastor, you'll never own a house. You'll never have this. You'll never have more than one car. You'll have a broke-down car. And I said, give me a break, man. The Lord is a provider. Amen. It's not just about the provision. Provision is a testimony of His goodness because I decided to settle in the land. You, God will not give you what He wants to give you if you don't settle. He's like waiting for you. When are you going to settle so I can bless you? Amen? So lift up your hands. Receive the blessings of God, the provision of God. But you got to follow the will of God in your life. Not everything will go smoothly, but the sum total is that it will be smooth. You'll be on the mountaintop, guaranteed. In Jesus' name. I pray for my son and Jess to own a home in Jesus' name. Because every time, the whole, every time the world says, you can't win, oh, young people will leaving and they're not going to have a home in Vancouver, that's the escalator going down. The kingdom of God said, no, I will own a home because God owns the land. Why can't God give us a church? If all my friends are out there getting like mortgages paid off, land giving, giving to them, why, why not us? I believe it's because we haven't settled. The Lord is saying, are you settled so I can give you some, give you some land? So we honor you. We follow you. We follow the ark. We just follow the presence. We advance with you. There is no stopping. There is no going backwards. We're going to go with you, God. And as we go with you, Lord, you're going to open up doors. You're going to redeem the land. You're going to advance the kingdom. And the world will know that you are God and the earth shall fi be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as it says in Habakkuk let the earth be filled with the knowledge of the Lord like the waters cover the seas in Jesus name Amen let's give God glory Woo!